You are Locked On Cardinals, your daily St. Louis Cardinals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Cardinals podcast for Wednesday, May the 18th of 2022. It's a post-game edition and I am Lucas Smith, host of the show, Thanks for tuning in, making Locked on Cardinals your first listen of the day. Uh, even though this is a late post-game edition of Locked on Cardinals, hopefully it's your first listen of the day on Thursday. Thanks for tuning in whenever you're listening to the Locked on Cardinals podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, where it's your team every single day, even when your team struggles, even when your team claws back against Mad Max Scherzer in this the second inning or third inning, and when, when they find a way to, to stay in the game, and then they, you know, give up a few runs in the middle of part of the inning. And then they find a way to scratch and claw back in the eighth inning to give your team a little bit of life. And then give up a boatload more runs. Even when all those things happen. Still your team every day on the Locked On Podcast Network. The game today prompted a question in my mind. Or really answered a question in my mind. Well, we'll go through different game performances and things of that nature. But the question on my mind, and the, the, the prompt that I'm going to start today's show with is, is it time for changes to be made to this Cardinal roster? Because this bullpen this year has been a strength of this team. There's there's little to no question. Very low ERA for the bullpen. Got them out of some tough situations. But there also have been some players in the bullpen, pitchers in the bullpen, one might say, <laughs> that plain and simple haven't gotten it done. Is it time to make some changes there? I think yes. Diving right in today, but that, that's really because I think that this first prompt, this first question, isn't really a question. Like, it's an easy one to me. TJ McFarland. Ali Marmol talked about a postgame that he is not on the ground as much as he has been in his career. Ground ball percentage is way down, like 13-14% down. Giving up some home runs. Give up a three-run bomb to Alonzo today. For his career, his ERA is 4.1. So it's not like he was some spectacular arm coming into this season. He had a spectacular year last year in 38 and two-thirds of an inning for the St. Louis Cardinals. And here's what's getting me. Here, here are the, the, the stats, the, the statistical numbers that tell me that something's not right with McFarland. And based on his track record of mediocre, a couple of good seasons, but overall mediocre, it's time to make a change. The fact that in 13 innings, he has given up three home runs this year for the St. Louis Cardinals. In 38 and two-thirds of an inning last year, he gave up three. In this season, he has given up the same amount of home runs in a fraction of the amount of innings. Last year, opponents hit 237 against him. This year, they're hitting 373. Last year, his whip was 1.06. This year, it is 1.85. TJ McFarland, designated for assignment, might be an option. Might be an option that the Cardinals seriously need to consider with his performance so far this season. It's nice having three lefties in the bullpen. It is. It's a, it's a positive. But not when one of those lefties right now is performing the way TJ McFarland is. 
because right now you've got, you know, you had Naughton, I guess Naughton came in for the doubleheader, so he's not there anymore. But you had Naughton, Cabrera, and McFarland as lefties. Naughton did not do well in his start against Baltimore last week, but he impressed yesterday in the doubleheader. Tuesday, depending on when you're listening to this. Rather see him on the major league level than TJ McFarland, to be honest with you. And I, when I, I talked about it in the YouTube Open that you, you can't be a knee-jerk reactor to these things. you got to give things time to figure it out. That's why in segment two I'm going to talk about why Jordan Hicks, you know, that starters experiment has not failed just yet. I can understand the argument that it's getting close, but it hasn't failed just yet. But if I'm sitting here as from the St. Louis Cardinals' perspective, and I'm trying to accurately judge this team and see what moves can be made and see what can be done to improve this team, I'm thinking to myself, okay, play has concluded on May the 18th, at least for, for most of Major League Baseball at the time of this recording. A couple teams that are still playing, LA and Texas, but that's on the AL. We don't care about the AL here. <laughs> but play has concluded. You're three and a half games out of first place. You're in a wild card spot, three games over 500. Your run differential right now is 29 in the positive. Not bad. You're 10 and 8 at home. You're 10 and 9 on the road. You're 8 and 9 against teams above 500. Not terrible. Got some good success against left handed pitching. Offense. You got some pieces to think about with O'Neill, but maybe Yepes has provided a boost. So you've made some changes there and they've worked. That's the big key for me. Dylan Carlson was hitting leadoff. He was struggling. We moved him down. Figured it out. Now he's on fire. Tommy Evan was on fire. He moved him up in the lineup. He remained on fire despite a little bit of the injury bug here recently. Juan Yepes was called up. Paul DeYoung was sent down. Brennan Donovan got the starting job. That has worked out. I understand you don't want to break something that's, or excuse me, you don't want to fix something that ain't broke because this bullpen isn't necessarily 100% broke. But there need to be changes made, in my opinion, if the bullpen wants to continue to remain fixed and you have more options than just the, the two or three guys at the top. TJ McFarland is an arm that I think can go, as well as Jake Walsh. Jake Walsh, three games. He impressed in his debut with two innings against Baltimore. Um, he had two-thirds of scoreless innings against the San Francisco Giants. And then in his uh, most recent outing today, he was charged with four earned runs. He did not record an out, gave up two hits, and walked one. I'm not saying you don't designate him for assignment. You just option him back down. But I'd like to see Whitley back up. I'd like to see maybe Naughton back up for McFarland. I think th- those two changes would be appropriate. That, those, that would be an appropriate way to go about the, this business right now. An appropriate decision to be made based on the factors at hand. Because the bullpen, while, while it's a positive, it is. You need, you need to... Re- be diligent in keeping it a positive and keeping it at, a, at its tip-top shape. And right now, I think that it's just not we're, we're at the lower end. The lower end of the totem pole is just not. Maybe McFarland was left in today to, to just eat it. So just, okay, we need you to eat eat some outs, eat some runs, take the hit for the team. And if that's uh, that, that's the case, I, I, you know, I watch the post-game show a lot, watch post-game comments. I don't recall Marmol saying that. If that's the case, that's the case. Those games happen. But I just think he has been really unsuccessful for quite some time this season that it's time to, to execute that change. Another change that, you know, something needs to, to be done or a decision needs to be made somewhere else, we'll talk about the offense now, is Corey Dickerson. 
I was a, I, I was a fan of the Corey Dickerson signing. I was. I'll admit it. I wasn't the only one, by the way. But I was a, a fan of the Corey Dickerson signing. Well, Corey Dickerson has started the season 12 for 65. That's a 185 batting average if you're trying to keep track at home. Seven runs driven in. An on-base of 239. OPS of 554. He had a hit today. He also struck out three times. He's three for his last 17. Six for his last 35. That is not going to cut it. Just simply not going to cut it. I forget who tweeted this out, so I apologize for um, for any not giving credit to. But they, they, they had mentioned the person who tweeted this idea out of DFAing Corey Dickerson. I'm, I'm not quite there yet, but it's awfully close because of how bad Dickerson has been. But bringing up Alec Burleson. Alec Burleson made a meteoric rise to the minor league system last year. Guest of the show. He's got seven home runs at 120 at bats, 283 average, 338 on base, an OPS of 855 at the minor league level. He's slugging 517. Let the kids play. We've seen that the kids can play pretty well. Juan Yepes being prime example number one. Changes need to be made at certain point to this roster. I understand you need to let things ride out, certain things ride out. You need to let certain things play out. You need to give things time to see what happens on certain things. I'll talk about that point in segment two, talking about Jordan Hicks and his start tonight and my thoughts on Hicks going forward. But with the names I've mentioned, TJ McFarland specifically, I just think it's time to make a decision and move on. I do. He's just been unimpressive this season and you know, if the Cardinals were in first place, then they had a three-and-a-half game cushion on first place, maybe you let McFarland ride it out a little bit. Maybe you let him try and figure it out. When you're trying to fight for the first spot in the National League Central to get out of that wild-card spot, to get out of that three-game playoff in the wild-card round, need to be a little bit more aggressive, in my opinion. That point is still true, with the following point still being true, of the Jordan Hicks starting experiment has not failed. I want to see him go out there one, maybe two more times before I make an ultimate decision on fail or not fail. I'll give my reasoning for that coming up in just a moment. But first, with spring in the air, my allergies can attest that spring is definitely in the air. It's a time of renewal and growth, both personally and professionally. As your small business grows, LinkedIn Jobs is here to make it easier for the people you want to talk to to get them faster and you get them for free. You can create a job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people. Then simply add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile and that spreads the word that you're hiring so your network can help you find the right people to hire fast. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skill set and experience level so you can quickly prioritize who you want to interview and ultimately who you want to hire. That's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Did you know that every week, every week, nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? You can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on MLB. That's linkedin.com slash locked on MLB to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Jordan Hicks tonight was not successful. He was not not good. 
His final line, four innings, three hits, two runs. Both of those were earned. He walked three and struck out five. He threw 89, or excuse me, he threw 82 pitches. 82 pitches for four innings. Yes, that's tall. But what gets me is the 39 strikes. 39 strikes out of 82 pitches. If you're rounding up, that's 48%. That's .475. So if you're rounding up, that's 48% strike. It's a 48 strike percentage. That cannot happen. However, he also was able to register five strikeouts. His slider tonight was really good. All five strikeouts coming on the, on the slider. He talked about a little bit in the postgame that his step wasn't right. His drive was a little bit off. Um, so maybe that, that was the reasoning. That, that, was, that was why the fastball was what it was and how you know ineffective and couldn't find the strike zone. Had a little seeing-eye signal in the first inning. That didn't help. But the reason that I'm going to kind of pump the brakes on on Jordan Hicks, there's, there's a couple different reasons that, that I, I say, wait. Don't make a decision yet. And I understand, you know, I get the argument that it's time. I can understand how somebody would get to that reasoning, is what I want to say. Because he's got eight games so far, six of them starts, 25 and two-thirds of an inning, and a 4-2-1 ERA, he's one and three. I can comprehend how someone would get to the end goal of saying, hey, this experiment is over. We need to try something else. I understand that. I will counter with a couple different points. First of all, despite the bad fastball, the the bad stuff, the lack of control, he found a way to keep his team in the game and give his team a chance to win. He was on a pitch count today. It was around 85, he said. He got 82. He was done. He was still able to find a way. That, to me, was a big factor in my thought process right now of letting him get another start, of not giving up on Hicks as a starter just yet. I also want to see what he wants to do with with a no-pitch count limit. He mentioned it that it will likely be a no-pitch count limit game um, next time out, or... Uh, the better way to phrase that, it, it won't be a, a reduced pitch count limit. It'll be a regular pitch count. You just go out there. We'll, we'll see what we can do. Like, it's not going to be, we're gonna, we got to get you at 85. We got to get you at 75. No. He's going to go out there and pitch. I think that's going to do more for the mental side of him than people realize. At least for, for in game. Because if you have a limit, you know, they, they have the pitch counters up there on the stadium. You, you know what your pitch count is at all times. It adds stress, you press a little bit, you change the way you throw. I think whenever he's able to just go out there and just pitch and just realize I'm going to be out here as long as I can be out here no matter what my pitch count is, that could free him up a lot more. Let him have the opportunity to go five, six, maybe even seven if he's able to keep his pitch count down, seven innings. So while I say all of this in the positive for Jordan Hicks, of love giving him another starter, not giving up on him as a starter, there are obviously concerns. The lack of ability to find the control is concern number one. Because his whip right now stands, you know, at a 1.21. That's respectable. But there's also plenty of things to be worried about when you look at the strike percentage. 
Strike percentage is just at 57%. That's a little bit low. And he's walking a ton. That's the big number to me. His last three appearances, he pitched four and a third innings against San Francisco on the sixth. Two walks and just four and a third. He walked two and five innings against the Giants in his next time out. And tonight he walked three against the Mets. The walks and lack of control is obviously a concern, but I will agree with him, and I will agree with Ali Marmol, that they chalk today's start, tonight's start, simply up to a bad day. To one of those days where it's just not clicking, the mechanics aren't there. So I am not ready to give up on Jordan Hicks as a starter yet. I'm not. I think he has the stuff to do it. Clearly, he has the desire to do it. I think he's going to be able at some point to put it all together and be a starter this year and a successful one. Maybe not a top-of-the-line, you know, ace-level starter, right, obviously, but a, a comparable starter that's going to give you five to six innings and allow you to trust him to do that. Jordan Hicks is going to get another start or two from me before I am ready to say, Ixnay on the Hicks starter, eh? That pink Latin, I don't know. I feel like that's something that people used to do. Uh, but but <laughs> he's going to get another start for me before I'm ready to give up on him as a starter full-time. This, continuing with this theme to finish up this segment of letting things play out and just giving people more of an opportunity, I want to talk about Juan Yepes for just a moment. Juan Yepes has burst onto the scene. When you look at his, his overall numbers to start, his first 49 career at-bats, 306 batting average, 370 on base, 490 slugging for an 860 OPS. Got a couple of home runs, three doubles. Yeah, it's pretty solid. But the league is starting to adjust to Juan Yepes. I say that because in his last seven games played, he's 5 of 27 with a home run, one RBI, three walks, four strikeouts. That 5 for 27 and three runs scored is good for a 185 average, a 267 on base, and a 296 slugging. Juan Yepes went on a tear to end last year. So he has the prolonged uh, arena of success. He went on a tear to start this year at the minor league level. So once again, another prolonged season of success, or another prolonged time of success in 22 games. He had nine home runs, had a 279 batting average, and a 651 slugging to start this year at Memphis. I want to see how quickly he's able to adjust. I'm not anywhere close to giving up on Juan Yepes as a baseball player. Not anywhere close to giving up on Juan Yepes as, as an offensive player. But I do want to see how he is able to adjust to Major League Pitching. That is a mark of a, of a rookie that is ahead of schedule. That is ahead of his time. If he's able to adjust to the league quickly. Because the league's going to adjust to you. We, we, we see it all the time with rookies. Carlson went through it. Evan went through it, what seemed like for a whole year. Yepes is going through a little mini one right now. How quickly is he able to bounce back and get back to the one Yepes that got him to the Major Leagues? That's what I want to know. I also want to know your thoughts on the last couple subjects. What are your thoughts on TJ McFarland? On the, the, the changes that this Cardinal roster could be seeing in the next couple of days? What are your thoughts on Jordan Hicks as a starter? I've seen some people that really like it, some people that are still against it. I want to know your thoughts. What do you think should happen? Comment in the YouTube comment section below. 
Email me, lockedoncards at gmail.com. DM me on Twitter at LJFastball. DM the show on Twitter, Instagram at LO underscore Cardinals. Let's have a conversation. I want to know what your thoughts are on today's subjects. And for those of you watching on YouTube, you might notice back at Columbia Apartment for just a day. Tomorrow we'll be back uh, and figuring some things out with, with connectivity and, and background and things of that nature. But back to a 100% secure connection and uh, background today. So hope you guys have enjoyed that. But to finish up the show, we're going to talk about the offense. Talking about it every day because the offense every day gives you something new to talk about. Talk about there were some good things from the offense today despite losing 11-4. to So we'll talk about that coming up here in just a moment. I love brownies. I do. Love brownies. My fiance also loves brownies. But you know what I love more than brownies? Brownie batter. Whenever you're making brownies, you always got to get some. Sometimes I eat half the batter while I'm making the brownies anyways. Maybe not quite half, but up there. Imagine if you could lick that brownie spatula clean and get some protein in. You all know where I'm going with this, and you're in luck because Built has a new creation, and this one is better than ever. The Brownie Batter Puff. You heard me right. This puff takes protein bars into a whole new level, and they're available right now on Built.com. Have you not tried the Built Puffs yet? That's okay. I'm not sure what you're waiting for because puffs are a chocolate-covered marshmallow protein bar. You heard me correctly. Delicious flavored marshmallows covered in 100% real chocolate. With 140 calories, 17 grams of protein, only 7 grams of sugar, brownie batter puffs are the perfect pick-me-up for any day. All built bar, all built puffs, excuse me, are covered in 100% real chocolate. That means with built, you can eat healthy and actually enjoy doing it. The brownie batter puffs will have you completely forgetting that you're eating a protein bar. No need to pinch yourself. This is real life. Go to built.com, get the brownie batter puffs now, or any other built bar product by going to built.com and using the promo code LOCKED15. L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5 to get 15% off your order. Once again, use that promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. The offense today was able to muster up 10 hits. Got four runs. Saw a double from Dylan Carlson against Scherzer in a second. You saw a home run from Arenado off of Seth Lugo in the eighth. A couple extra base hits. One for four with runners in scoring position. So only four at-bats with runners in scoring position. They stranded seven runners. Had one caught stealing. Got it into one double play. And had one runner thrown out at second base. That was Nolan Arenado. And even though Max Scherzer didn't have his A-plus stuff. And even though Max Scherzer had to leave the game due to injuries. So you figure he wasn't at 100%. Although... I do want to say I hope Max Scherzer gets well for the for the game of baseball's sake that he's able to get back out there quickly. But I thought the offense today was a mixture of resiliency plus struggle. You know, you saw that the, the struggle in the ninth inning to get anything going. You know, they struck out. They, they they did strike out nine times, which isn't terrible, but isn't great either. But the resilient part of part of it was able to to get back in the game against Mad Max, Albert Pujols hitting one down the right field line. The struggle part was not being able to muster up anything outside of the, of the four runs, the ten hits. You saw Molina and Pujols both strand runners in scoring position with two outs tonight. But overall, despite not getting the win, despite only scoring four runs, this offense left a little bit that there was a little bit to be happy about from this offense. Mainly the fact that Albert Pujols got two hits and is now 
10th all-time in hits in Major League Baseball history. Nolan Arenado had two hits, including the clutch home run. And Dylan Carlson had himself a three-hit day, and he scored one time, and Dylan Carlson did not strike out. Dylan Carlson has figured it out after a slow start to the season. His last 15 games, he's 17 for 52. That's a 327 average. Got a 375 on base, and he's slugging 538. Had two home runs in those last two weeks. Last 52 at-bats. Really nice to see Carlson finally get it going. When he is going, it looks like he's swinging at a beach ball. It really is just a slow, smooth, deliberate swing. A little bit long, which is what gets him into trouble at times. But it's just right through the zone when he's right. And when he's right, he hits the ball all over the yard with authority, with some power. Really good to see him perform well. The next step for this offense will be to not struggle in a quick turnaround tomorrow. 12-10 first pitch, and they're going up against Chris Bassett, who's having A, a phenomenal year, and who B, has had success against the Cardinals this year. Point A, he's 4-2 and two in seven starts with a 2-3-4 ERA and a whip of 1.02. Point B, in his start against St. Louis's last start of April, he threw six shutout innings, gave up two hits, hit a man, walked three, and struck out six. Cardinals will be sending Dakota Hudson to the mound. Dakota Hudson, similar to Jordan Hicks, needs to find that control. In his last time out, he walked two, threw out five shutout innings. That's solid. Start before that, he walked four and four and two-thirds. Unsolid. <laughs> not good. Dakota Hudson, when he's right, is getting ground balls, is not walking batters, and he's keeping the ball on the ground. But offensively speaking, just to finish up that point before the, the, the show wraps up, offensively speaking, there are some good things from the Cardinal offense. I'd like to see Evan back in the lineup, so hopefully he's able to get things uh, spark at the top of the lineup for St. Louis going forward. Because when he's in the lineup, I just feel better about it, to be honest with you. He's having a really good year, still in some bags, playing really solid defense, having a good year offensively speaking. So hopefully he's back in the lineup tomorrow. It'll be interesting to see if uh, if Carl, where Carlson is placed tomorrow. And we'll likely see O'Neal again tomorrow. So we'll see what happens with him and see if he's been struggling. Well-documented struggles. We'll see what he's able to do. But the offensive resiliency needs to be there again tomorrow if the Cardinals want to try and earn a split. It's not going to be easy with Chris Bassett on the mound. Tomorrow's show will come out after the game uh, because of the, the late postgame here. We'll have an afternoon postgame tomorrow after the 12-10 game against the New York Mets and the St. Louis Cardinals. Be sure to drop a comment. Be sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel as well if you have not already locked on Cardinals on YouTube. Be sure you're subscribing to the baseball podcast. Uh, thank you for making Locked on Cardinals your first listen every day. Make your next listen Locked on MLB with Paul Francis Sullivan, but be sure to call him Sully as he brings you his unique perspective on the majors, both past and present. Free and available wherever you get your podcasts, just like this one. Thanks for tuning in today, ladies and gentlemen. Until I talk to you the next time, be sure to stay safe, stay well, and have a fantastic rest of your day.